On behalf of the NHL, I want to tell you how thrilled we are to return to the state of hockey. It's obvious we never should have left. Minnesota, welcome back to the NHL. In the state of hockey, we skate the frozen ponds. We live the game. Welcome from the state of Minnesota, the state of hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight's attendance is 18,815. Our 27th consecutive sellout. Wildwood winning the faceoff here. Here's Spurgeon going to work. Right circle. He scores! Spurgeon scores! Takes a look. Here comes Dumba. Back Dumba off the bench. In front. Scores! And Dumba has won it for the Wild. Hit by Spurgeon. Up comes back the other way. Fiala's in for Minnesota. Fiala puts to the middle. Wait, score! You're listening to the Wild Takes Podcast. Presented by 10,000 Takes. Welcome to the Wild Takes Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Dev. With me, as always, is my boastfully attractive co-host, Zooch. Zooch, <laughs> how are you doing today? The uh, We're a few few days removed from the Wilds offseason officially beginning. And uh, we are recording this the night after uh, all of the exit interviews were done. Yes. How are you doing, bud? What are you feeling? What are your thoughts? Uh, we're, we're doing good, man. I mean, I can't complain. This wild team overachieved all season. I think you yep. spoke about this in the last episode. I wasn't going to be too down in the dumps if they lost game seven. This was this is a good year, and these guys got some really good playoff experience. They got to They really got to experience the ebbs and the flows of a playoff series. There's ups, there's downs. They just got to stay the course, and game seven didn't go the way they wanted, but only up from here for this uh, this Minnesota Wild team. I'm excited. The exit interviews were uh, gave us some good uh, clips. I would say you got Kaprizov giving a big old hug to Zuccarillo. Yeah, that was delightful. <laughs> they they became good buddies this year, and I hope they can keep those two together because they're uh, they're a pleasure to watch. No, I I, I agree. Um, I think that uh, I mean we're not really uh, nobody is thinking that uh, Kaprizov and and our dear sweet lizard king Zuccarello will be anywhere besides opposite right. each other with hopefully a competent center in between them uh, next year. I don't think anybody doubts that for a second, uh, especially with the uh, news breaking as we're recording this, that the wild uh, per Russo, the wild have apparently offered uh, Kaprizov an eight year deal worth a little more than $64 million, uh, which would be great. Um, would absolutely love for, that contract to unfold. I would love that so, so much. Yeah. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind that uh, the lizard and the Soviet will be reunited come October. Uh, one thing I did want to mention about the exit interviews is the drip and the swagger of one Nick Benino rocking his very own 10k original Benito, yes. Benito 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 shirt yes truly incredible stuff um it's awesome 
Yeah. So we want to give a special shout out to friend of the program, Aaron Lowry, for just giving him the shirt and uh, helping make that happen. Also, a special thanks to Nick Benino for recognizing that uh, all of us here at 10K Takes wish him and his newborn son, Bowie, nothing but the best. All time name, if I might add. Bowie Benino. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Chef's kiss. Oh, oh my god. It is incredible. Plus, it's an incredible name. So yeah. So like we were trying to get the like Bowie Nino, Bowie Nino bit going. And friend of the program, State of Hoppy of the Soda Pod, to put it nicely, reached out and basically was like, wouldn't it just be easier to say Bowino, Bowino, Bowino? Yeah. And I was like, ah shit, that's way better than what we've been doing. So <laughs> so to uh to Nick and Bowie and the entire Bonino clan. Congratulations on the birth of you, uh, Mr. Bowie, and we would love to uh, keep the bit going, as the uh, as the kids yeah, say. We would love to keep. Uh, I I personally would love to keep Nick here for a couple, yeah. as long as he wants to stay here, man. He's 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 a really good locker room presence. I imagine he's been here. He's, I mean, been we're not in the playoffs anymore. It's sad. Maybe just uh, realize we are out. But he's yeah. been to the playoffs and made these deep runs. And I think that'll, that'll prove to be good in the locker room with a bunch of young guys that, you know, they, they just went through it for their first time. A lot of them, a, a, a good series. I mean, we're going to heck and Greenway, I believe we're there for the 2018 series with the jets, but what do they get in that series? Just learn how to lose four and bow yeah. out in the first round. Yeah, just, they at least got to experience the series. series. Right. Hey, how is that the only win? Uh, that was uh six goals i got to see greener's uh dave greener's first goal of his career that was sweet so what i'm hearing from you then is that uh when the wild draw the jets after the divisions are re realigned back to normal next year um we are going to crowdfund you tickets to all four games uh so that the wild can we will be hosting we will have home ice yeah. We will be a top. Uh, we will be a top two team in the central next yeah. year. And Winnipeg's only a ten-hour drive from you, so you know we'll just get you up. Right. There. I would. Yeah, I'd love to go. Their their uh, their playoff games were sweet. Yeah, they if you've ever been to that they, barn, it's uh, oh. it's terrific. Yeah, they fill that place up with a bunch of white jerseys, and and it's usually a whiteout, right? Yeah, that's it's, usually what they do for the playoffs. Yeah, it's it it looks awesome. I mean, they. I, I the only other job. This is this isn't a basketball podcast, but you've seen OKC what they do in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's pretty sweet too. They put the yeah. one half of the stadiums in orange or stadium arena, the other half of the arenas in their uh, baby blue or whatever. It is. <laughs> yep, that's pretty freaking cool. No, I'm with you 100. I miss seeing people in the stands. That Bruins series, it's awesome seeing that place packed up. Yeah, cool. I think I think seeing seeing the Bruins Islander series that's going on right now. Um, seeing the the last couple of games of the Vegas Wild Series, the Battle of Florida, honestly, oh, yeah. most of the first round matchups had just awesome fan experience, and you were just like, "Oh, this is great!" And then you cut to Game Seven of Montreal <laughs> and the Leafs, which, like, you know, we don't need to get into because the Leafs are our suffering partners. Um, but like, God, holy shit, this would have collapsed. Miserable miserable yeah. franchise um, i mean to, come 
Um, to give you to give the listeners a little uh, behind the scenes slash you know inside baseball inside hockey, as Game Seven was happening, and Montreal goes up one nothing. Brendan Gallagher gets a little breakaway, does a little does a little stick little goal, and Zuch and I just instinctively text each other. Well, at least we're not Leaf fans. <laughs> yep, yep. Like I mean, our our own pain was different, but. Well, the the twins, we have the twins here, and we've experienced 18 in a row, in a row. These mm-hmm. guys haven't made it out of the first round either, but they've at least won some games. What did I, I don't know. To fans in Canada, they got to be like sitting there like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. Come on. Absolutely If I'm a Toronto brutal. fan, it gets 3-1. This year especially, with their team looking so solid and so stacked. I'm, I, they were, too, that guy with the tucked-in jersey. Oh my good God! Outside of game <laughs> six, it's like have fun watching your last guy. game. Have fun watching your last game. You got his jersey tucked in. Still can't believe that guy is an actual human being. But. No, that yeah. poor fucking guy. I don't want to completely shit on the Leafs because I don't think there's anything that we could say that would be more hurtful or more poignant than what their own fans are saying. What I'm trying to tell you this. Toronto fans is that we hear you we are also suffering and we're not going to make fun of you anymore from here from any any leaf slander from here on out will uh it will not prosper one uh one word of advice for leaf fans is just uh just maybe not have hope anymore just go into the season, stay even keeled, and enjoy it. You know what? I'll give. Uh, I'll even. I'll even go one step further because I. I feel like the the least fans in my life were void of hope before the series even started. It was. Yeah. It, it felt like. I mean, our good friend Dom even was like, "Well, the Leafs are the second or third most heavily favored team, so like, can't wait to see how they're gonna fuck this up." You know, my friend Andre pointed out that his Leafs fandom has been suffering for so long that it's about to go to college. I think Steve Dangle on his show did the exact same thing, uh, made the exact same point. Um, If you haven't heard Steve Dangle's LFR, which I think stands for Leaf Fan Review of Game 7, it's about 30 minutes long of him unscripted just sitting in his Leafs man cave and just losing it and it is he at one point he basically says if you're watching this as a fan of a team that's not the Leafs you're an absolute sicko and I was like yeah that's me um I'm definitely called out you're just observing it's truly it's truly incredible and so between sorry I I I'm gonna re-amend my statement uh no Leafs slander after this next one um between between the Leafs doing that and the schadenfreude that I'm getting from watching Colorado put up a touchdown on Vegas in game one, I really don't feel that bad about the way that our season ended anymore. So thank you to the Leafs and thank you to the Avs, which is a sentence that I never thought I would ever say out loud. And so well, I, I don't know. I don't know if you saw the one of honestly my top five tweets I've seen on Twitter in my history of being on Twitter. Some 
Leafs fan tweeted, I just can't believe they choked that away with that many nurses in the building. They gave away all their tickets for like the only people in the building were first responders. Yeah, nurses. (laughs) I was, oh my God, I lost it. I was like, oh my God. And at first I was like, oh, I bet people are going to be going off in the comments about how disrespectful that is. But luckily there wasn't any of that because that isn't disrespectful. That's a damn funny joke. That's hilarious. And I'm I'm reading. I'm like, oh god, oh, <laughs> like no. they really are down bad in Toronto right now. <laughs> oh, that's so bad. I'm so sorry, Toronto fans. Oh, that shit oh, was hilarious. God. Like I said, a top five tweet I've seen on that app. It was fucking hilarious. Incredible, incredible, right. incredible. Um, okay, so starting now. Now, no more Toronto slander. We're sorry, yep. Leafs fans. We love you. We hope you're having a lovely day. And thank you for listening to the podcast. Um, I really, I've got no nothing else to transition to, so we're just going to segue nice and hard and nice and cold into it. Um, we have a terrific guest. His name is Seth Topol. He's joining us. You can us. pronounce his last name. Again, yeah, we're uh, we we're, we're are, on a streak here. We're on a on a hot streak. So apologies to Dom, um, but I think we've gotten everybody else's name right so far. So. Um, we're keeping that streak alive and he has some excellent takes that you're going to want to listen to. So keep listening, keep tuning in. A very hot one, a very hot a one. Very spicy wild. wild take right there at the end. Possibly the wildest wild Wonder take yeah. that we've ever gotten. Yeah. So, uh, without further ado, I'm going to toss it to good friend of the program. Seth Topol. Our next guest is a 10-year veteran of covering Minnesota sports, has a killer White Goodman impression, is a purveyor of a fine Cabernet Sauvignon, and the host of your daily podcast, Locked on Wild. Please welcome onto the Wild Takes podcast, Seth Topol. Seth, how you doing, buddy? Gentlemen, I am doing wonderfully um, after getting a chance to kind of recharge the batteries for Memorial Day weekends, rough ends to the Vegas series, but we're back. And uh, I just want to say, nobody makes me bleed my own blood. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I remember after the Vegas game, it was like the, the game seven, it was, I don't know, one or two in the morning, my time. And, and you tweet out something to the effect of like, I'm going to take a break. So I was worried that it was going to be like a whole like off season or like a couple of weeks. And it was, your break was like 72 hours. If that. <laughs> yeah. That's, you know, that's the funny thing is it just speaks to, I think how much energy all of us put into covering uh, a particular team in this case, the, the wilds. And it's just like, it's a grind every day. Like you've got games every other day for the, uh, the Vegas series. And, you know, we had all those late starts, God bless them. Um, nine thirty starts, nine o'clock starts, eight thirty starts, eight o'clock start for game seven. And you get so emotionally invested and so hyped up after what the wild were able to do in game six that everybody's like, Hey, we're going to do this. We're going to beat that ass. And we're going to, uh, we're going to take this thing. We're going to go play the Colorado avalanche. We're going to show them who's boss. And then it didn't go that way. And so at that point you just kind of are sitting back and you're like, well, shit, 
like, what do we do now? Season's over. And so, like, I think at that point, then the being tired thing just kicked in for me. And I was like, I might sleep for a month. Like, I may just go, I just, I may just go to bed and wake up in like mid July and be like, oh, sorry about that. Like, I just needed to catch up on some sleep. And so, took the weekend, exhaled. Just got it all out of my system, all the frustration, all the no calls, all the everything else, all the flurries, um, got it out of my system. And now we are in full off-season mode because we go into the cup next year. I'm oh, telling Jesus. you that right now. Uh, okay. I so, couple, uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I love that energy. <laughs> I, I, yeah, so I'm here for that. A couple Man, centers away that. right now, I think. I think that showed in the playoff series, but yeah, we'll see what they do this off season. I'm excited. This team's definitely looking way better than it has in many, many years. Well, and it it comes down to having a plan of like, here's how we're going to get there, and as people can probably guess if they've seen what Lockdown Wild has done the last couple of days, huge fan of it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, I'm glad so, you brought this up. I was about I was, to mention it. <laughs> nat, just a natural segue. Um, there you go. <laughs> was just sitting and watching, and it wasn't even the Dennis System episode, but I was just sitting on my couch, and all of a sudden I'm like, I can turn this into the off season. And mm-hmm. so we came up with the Dennis System for the way that the Wild are going to get to where they need to go. And, gentlemen, if you have a second, I will run you through – the whole damn thing. Oh yeah, please do. Because, we'd, lo- we'd love to hear this. <laughs> yeah, I, I listened to the. I did listen to the podcast earlier, and I I saw your your brief write up on it. But let me tell you, uh, if you're listening to this and you have not listened to the full podcast in which he lays out the timeline for how he's going to, uh, I almost said implicate, which is a different always sunny reference, but uh, coming up, implement is the word I was looking for. And if you haven't listened to the, the episode, I, I and and basically every episode from here going forward, because it is a daily podcast, um, highly recommend it. Can't recommend it enough. And uh, so, Seth, please give us a little taste of uh, what to expect with the, the dentist system that is specifically predicated for the Minnesota Wild. Of course. So you start with the letter D and D in this case means decompress. Season ended roughly, obviously. And so we got to take a little time to, you know, process what happens, process the playoffs, process how the regular season went, decompress, get all of that out of our heads, exercise the demons, whatever you need to do. That is the letter D, decompress. We move on to E, evaluate. And we need to go player by player, evaluate performances, who played well, who played didn't Victor Rask, all of those sorts of evaluational things. How can players do better? What can we build off of? Where do we go from here? E evaluate. We then move on to the first N I think in the show today, I said the first E there's only one. It was hilarious. You were like in the first E of the dentist system. I was like, wait, what the fuck? I uh, only one. That's why I'm in radio. I, uh, I don't count well or speak well. Sometimes first N negotiate with restricted free agents and unrestricted free agents. I don't know if you guys are familiar, but we have a few big RFAs Just heading into this offseason. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, just, just, a just a few, just a few huge players on this team. So we need to you know, arguably the three most important forwards on this team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, know, you could, you could say that. So we need to negotiate with those guys. There are a couple of unrestricted free agents that I think would love to come back. And I would love to have them back. So we need to negotiate with them too. First N second N navigate free agency, navigate the expansion draft. Those are going to be crazy hurdles here this off season. I think we're going to find that free agents are going to have to sign with this team to avoid the implication. <laughs> You're going to want to sign with the Minnesota wild you because of the implication. <laughs> That's the second end. Wait, are these free agents in danger? No. <laughs> why, why do you keep, I, I don't think you're understanding what I'm saying here. They're not in danger. They'll be fine, but they're going to want to sign here because of the implication. All right. <laughs> we move on to I identify draft targets. These are players that will help the wild get to where they need to go on the cheap because they're going to have to spend some primo money to keep those restricted free agents in the S set your sights on 2021, 2022 gentlemen. That is the Dennis system. A proven winner. Love it. Beautiful. <laughs> Give a little round of applause. I don't know. Dev was starting to. I'll finish it off. <laughs> yeah, no, I just, oh my God. I, uh, so I'm, I'm glad that, <laughs> I don't know why just hearing, like I've, uh, you told it to me, you told it to me on Twitter you said it in the podcast and then having you explain it here, I don't know why it just made me start laughing hysterically. It's the, <laughs> it's the delivery, right? Yeah. Like, it's right. definitely, definitely a big part of it. Um, you did mention, you know, here, um, you know, in the, the E for evaluate part of the dentist system, uh, you did mention certain players, Victor Rask that need to be evaluated. Um, and actually, that's something that I had a, a, a point of contention, for lack of a better word, with you, because I, I thought that you were uh, far too nice on your podcast. Um, so if you haven't listened, essentially what Seth said was, and, you know, Victor Rask uh, needed to play a little bit better. And he, he just, you know, he just needs to play a little bit better. And I think that saying he needed to play a little bit better is the evaluation equivalent of oh you know he has total organ failure but if he just like starts eating his vegetables he'll be fine like this is just such a dramatic understatement to me yeah i um mid thought something in my brain said hold on because there is plenty that can be said about uh (laughs) Victor Rask, when his individual, he's, he's going to get a full show, individual show to evaluate what has happened, not only this year, but the last two and a half years since he yeah, came here. It's been, yeah, it's been rough for him. I mean, if, to me, if, they, if, he's, if he's a second or third line center on this team next year, it's just the same old, same old. That's just what feel I get. But I don't think he will be, so positive thoughts. I think I, he'll be I, he has to be gone, right? Well, I mean, I'm, they're not going to anchor those lines anymore. They can't. I'm, I'm less optimistic that he'll be gone. 
because the coaching staff seems to love him. Um, yeah. And, and you know what? I, I will always, I will never apologize for hating on Victor Rask. I'm, he seems to be a delightful human, a very wholesome dude. Uh, I have got nothing against him personally. Honestly, I've really, I really don't have a ton against him as a player other than the fact that he is a complete dead weight on our, what should be our best line and uh, took away my favorite player before Kaprizov arrived. But other than those two, you know, major things, I, I, I try not to have any major issue with him and I'll give credit where credit is due. His uh, underlying analytics are decent. Um, I remember uh, the evolving wild twins had a thing right before the postseason started where they were basically like, wait, we all have been kind of shitting on Victor Rask, but he's actually in like the 70th percentile of centers uh, in the league for like what our model accumulates for or accounts for. And, you know, the, their joke of course was like, we've been watching him. So we need to clearly fix the model. Um which I believe is the correct take. But um, anyway, all of that to say, I am not confident that he will be gone. I think that he will be, he's got one year remaining at like $4 million. I will be, honestly, I'll be more surprised than not if he is on a different roster than the Minnesota Wild come October. Yeah, I trying to have Seattle take him. I mean, we can just we could we could uh, troll Seattle's page and be like, dude, this guy is well. So here's the thing: an unreal you know, player. You know who gave him his current contract? Ron Francis, mm. GM of the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> Ron Francis well, does clearly like so him, and that is there's a chance. And that's a thing that uh, Billy G has gone out of his way, I might add, to uh, mention whenever he's done interviews with Russo or PA. He'll always be like, well, Ron Francis is a great hockey mind and gave this kid this contract. So, like, who am I to say that I'm smarter than Ron Francis? So, like, <laughs> I'm not saying that Billy G's playing the system, but Billy G's a smoozer and a boozer. So, like, he's probably playing the system a little bit. Victor Rask, for me, is like most of the members of the Vikings offensive line. Oh, Jesus Christ. He does not really have more than two or three plays the entire season that stand out where you're like, wow, that was really good. He doesn't, he has a lot of stuff where you just scratch your head, but he has more moments where he blends in. And as the top center on a hockey team, that is a huge problem. You can't have somebody who simply takes up space on the ice especially with Kirill Kaprizov being one of your line mates. They need a primo center to fully unleash Kaprizov. And whether it be Matt Zuccarello still as his line mate next year, whether it be Kevin Fiala as his line mate next year, depending on how much turnover and how many players pop up um, to fill out the rest of the roster, that center spot has to be popping and has to do some things for this team. And as the kids say, Victor Rask just ain't it. Like, I know those underlying analytics, as you said, paint him in a good light. But you can't play 13, 14 minutes a night with, like, one shot. And just, like, when people ask you, well, how do you think Rask? I have no idea. He was on the ice. Like, it said he played. (laughs) Where was he? You're checking, yeah, you're checking NHLGameShifts.com after the game. You're like, he had 
14 minutes of ice time tonight? Like you're having a panic attack, like rewinding the game, trying to find his Jersey like that. That just, that cannot happen. Like whoever they end up with has to be better than that. So here's, here's my transition question to you. Who would you like for that to be? And who do you think it will actually be? Because I think that those are two different answers, but maybe they're the same. They are two different answers. Um, I'd love nothing more than Jack Eichel, who apparently is a huge locker room problem. <laughs> Question mark. I guess I'll have to uh, take the Twitter experts. Um, I'll, I'll, yeah, have to, right. I'll have to go with their judgment on that. Right. They, well, they know better. Those armchair GMs, they know better, man. Be the one to defend the, the armchair Twitter GMs who are like, well, in Shell, this trade didn't work. So, like, obviously it's a stupid trade. Um, in Shell, the Ian Cole for Greg Patteron trade didn't work. So, like, you know, you can shut the fuck up. Everybody says that, you know, oh, Jack Eichel this, Jack Eichel that. And then everybody always brings up these um, reports, for lack of a better word, uh, going back to when Jack Eichel was, like, 16. And they're like, oh, he had a bad attitude to the coach. I, I feel like I've been on the record saying this. If I if if maybe if I haven't said it on this podcast, I've said it on others. Um, I don't. I think Buffalo is a bit of a black hole when it comes to culture and how you know somebody's thing does. Like uh, fucking Ryan O'Reilly, literally said, "I stopped enjoying the game of hockey, got traded, and won the Conn Smythe the next year as he hoisted the cup for the St. Louis Blues." Um losing pulls a lot of ugly out of the out of the woodwork and so you know it's no it's no coincidence that there have been multiple players from buffalo that end their end of season like exit interviews kind of hinted pretty publicly at the fact that they would like to not be in buffalo anymore because (laughs) losing is just miserable like you you lose 18 games in a row or whatever they did the media is pointing fingers at every single player on that team. You're hearing radio shows call them out and saying like, I think, you know, such and such college team or the AHL team could beat the Sabres (laughs) one-on-one. And that does nothing but just create like toxic environments. And so, yeah, those players are obviously going to want out of that situation and want to go somewhere where they're valued and where they have a great opportunity to win. And Michael would have that here. The problem with acquiring Jack Eichel is the salary cap and the cost that it would take to get him. Those are the two hurdles that you have to jump. Obviously. Right. Well, they got, they got Reinhardt there. Probably would be a little cheaper price maybe. And that is part of the answer to the second question is who realistically do the wild get? It's going to be somebody in that tier two of centers that are available either via free agency or via trade. All the attention is going to be on Jack Eichel and a couple of other centers that could potentially become available. Bill Guerin's best plan of action for this is going to be to lay in the weeds and pounce on one of those second tier guys who are still very good players. Maybe not a true number one center, maybe more of a second line center somewhere in that area, but I think we're going to see that play huge dividends for this team because we've been rocking Victor Rask as right. fourth center at best. Right. And 
we've been seeing Ryan Hartman fill in at the center position, who I've tipped my cap to him every show that I've gone on. He's not a center. No, like he's been playing the position to help the team out this year and huge props to him for doing that. And actually he had a couple of great games in that Vegas series, but. And you know what? I agree with you that I don't think he's a long-term center, but in the 30 some odd games that he played center this year, I thought he was excellent. I, yeah, I would agree is that he, he definitely got his footing in this, in the center position. So if the team gets into a spot where they're in a bind, where somebody gets hurt and needs somebody to fill in long-term at one of those spots, he can definitely do that. However, I think his natural spot is a wing, which then creates another center spot that has to be filled. Right. Um, I mean, in those tier two players, are we talking like, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Sean Monahan because I I think those would be two beautiful fits on this wild team. I think Nugent like, Hopkins would be a great a great player. Yeah, I am I the only one that doesn't love Ryan Nugent Hopkins? He, <laughs> I, I think you put him in between Kaprizov and uh, Zuccarello, and that line would be very dangerous, very very dangerous. Uh, don't get me wrong; he's a step up from like Victor Rask, but like. It depends know. the cost. I mean, yeah. if it, well, he's, it's like he's, a six, so, if, he's, if it's what he signed for before, which was what six years at seven mil, six maybe mil, seven yeah. years. Yeah, either. Yeah, I just got the numbers flipped around. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if I love that contract. But if he wants to come here for a couple of years at five or six mil, I wouldn't be against that. I mean, if we're paying Rascal four point five for Christ's sake. Yeah. Um, here, let me read you. Let me read you both a list that I pulled up of sure. um, pending free agent centers. Um, R and H is is right there at the top. Um, yeah. You guys are both in. Basically, I just want in or out. In. So in. In. Uh, David Krejci, who I did not realize was a UFA. In. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm in. Dude, he, I think, he's got that pedigree playing. Boston, I don't. Right? I don't think Boston lets him go for what it's worth. No, I also no don't way. think that he's. You know, he'll be 35 this summer. I don't think that he signs for seven and a quarter. But, right. You know, let's call it two years at five five piece. Are you in on Krejci for that? Yeah. I I would probably I really do that. that old. I didn't really because... use that old, but I mean, I'm okay with that. He's still he's... a solid player. He's still an upgrade over Victor Rask. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. You know what? Just for for the sake of the argument, we will assume that every player I list is two years, $4 million a year. So basically the Victor Rask contract plus one more year. So Krejci at $4 million, you guys are both in? Oh, yeah. And R&H, uh, I'm in at that, at that price. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, That'd be a no-brainer. If they could do that, that's – I don't think do that, that tomorrow, happens. Tomorrow, I bet they would. I don't think that happens, but I, I'm in on that. Um, Paul Statsney, out? Out for me. I am like – old. He's the same really age old. as Krejci. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, but I still take Krejci over Stasny, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't I'll, think that's a hot take. I'll, um, yeah. I'll say in. Yeah, okay. I think I'm going to disagree. I'm out on that. All right. Um, step on. Derek, step on. There's actually some names on this list. Yeah, so he, he only played 20 <laughs> games this year, right? Um, for the Senators, he was—I forget if he was injured or healthy scratch—but he only played 20 games, one goal, five five assists, 
and he'd be coming for two years, $4 million at age 31. Your thoughts? I'm out on him too. It would have to be, it'd have to be like a kind of bet on yourself type deal where you yep. hope mm-hmm. that he really goes above and beyond to prove that he still has something left in the tank. Um, and I, there certainly is a lot of potential for there to be bust factor in there to yeah. have him just continue to be hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to also, I'm going to politely decline. All right. I'm skipping over. So then there's three different wild players listed on this list. It's uh, Mojo, Bukestad, and Benino. Um, well, I take okay. one of them back. Yeah, not at I four like, million, I, but I think we all agree no. that we take Benino back at like I'd, one or two. I take, I would take him back in a heartbeat. He'd, he'd be I like him on the fourth line. He'd be the only one of the three, though. Yeah, of those three, yeah, I agree. Like, God bless I mean, I love, Johansson, yeah. but yep, I love Bukestad too. I mean, Minnesota kid. I watched yeah. him. I lived in Anoka growing up, so I watched him play at Blaine. But something about him—he's not consistent. He just, he's yeah, not, he just really he's not consistent. Didn't have much. No. Uh, that playoff is, goal was awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was. <laughs> this is an interesting one because he is an RFA somehow. I don't know how. Ryan Dezingle. He is an RFA somehow, so you would either have to go that Ottawa doesn't uh, tender him, or you have to submit an offer sheet. So the offer sheet would be two million or two years, four million. That'd be a significant upgrade, I think. Does the offer sheet thing work similar to say the NFL, where if a player, if you sign a player to an offer sheet, um, and the the team that controls their rights doesn't match. They get a pick, right? Yeah, they get, um, yeah. so it's tiered. I'll pull up the, so it's based off of the AAV of the contract at two years at $4 million. You would have to give up a second round pick. I do that. So you give up a second round pick for 29 year old Ryan Dezingle. Yeah. Cool. I think I would probably do that too. I am. I didn't realize he was an RFA at 29 to be an RFA. That's something, something's weird there. Um, here's another guy that I don't think will hit the market, but especially not after his, uh, late game heroics last night. Uh, Casey Sezekius. I think I just completely. uh, uh, Casey Sezekius. Uh, yeah. yeah, Did you guys, did you guys, uh, read his Wikipedia page after that goal? He fucking killed a guy. Yeah, he killed a guy at age like what was he sixteen? It was in two thousand seven. Yeah, so it was just high school rugby. Put a guy in a chokehold and the kid died. <laughs> like, I mean, I get yeah. being a gamer, but my God, he fucking murdered. Wait, wait, he got seven months probation. So they acknowledged he did something like sketchy or something. I saw somebody. I think it was Alex Nicoletti. Basically, say like I yep. can't think of this guy the same ever since I read his Wikipedia page, and I was like, yeah, that's bait. I'll bite. Uh, and then, yeah. And then I read it and you're like, wow. <laughs> oh yeah. And so like, I was like, I'm scrolling through, it's at the very bottom of the Wikipedia page yep. and I'm scrolling yep. through like, Oh, he, he played in the AHL at age 27. Okay. Played, you know, 137 games for the Islanders or however much I'm like, okay, weird. 
And when he was in uh, elementary or when he was in high school, he uh, put a guy in a chokehold and that guy died. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I know. It's just thrown in there. It's just like, hey, I'm going to sprinkle. It's like a the, footnote uh, on that. It's like, hey, so yeah. this guy, he, he acts, it was, yeah, he was convicted of manslaughter. Just FYI, let me, you know, here's, here's all of his stats. Here's all this stuff. And like, typically with shit like that, Wikipedia puts that like first thing up. They're like, Kurt Cobain, controversy around suicide is like the number one thing. And you're like, right. okay, yeah, sure, that makes sense. Google Casey Sezikis. Get all the way to the bottom. And it's like, it's not even, it doesn't even say like controversy or footnote or anything. It just says like pre-NHL career or something like that. And you're personal like, yeah, life. Literally. Personal they, buried life. It, they buried it in personal life. Yeah, not great. Um, so I did, I did do a little bit of reading and the kid that he got was uh, – definitely should not have been playing he was like had like really bad concussion sy- symptoms and so that was a bigger factor into it yeah i'm actually yeah. out on casey Zinkins either way i mean i think that was his first playoff goal in fucking seven years yep yeah, that was uh that was an accurate stat yeah yeah um, i mean i i'm probably we the, if we're gonna sign you know a center i'd like to have some playoffs playoff success maybe a little bit you know yeah this team, the first four games were, I don't know, man, they didn't put many pucks on the net. I'd like to see this team score a little more. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, Flurry, Flurry's to, I mean, sure, we can blame the goalie again, but like, right. I, come on, we got to put the pucks, we had our chances, put the pucks in the net. Because later in the series, we were putting them in, and sure, he might have been tired, but I don't think, you know, that should take too much into it. You got to put the puck in the damn net. I'm with not, you 100%. It's not great. It's not great when teams are doubling your best player and uh, yeah. your center on that line is just like, what do I do? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm so used to him skating around in the open and I can just kind of, oh, here's the soft spot I'm going to sit in. Nope, they, it, it's playoff hockey. That shit, that ice, it's like they're playing in a mini rink, <laughs> you know? It's, 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 yeah. It's compacted. All right, so, yeah, so I've got these, I've got the last, two that we'll do for this uh, yeah two years at four million dollars we got philippe Deneau. you guys in or out it's gonna be two years eight now though right we're doing we're talking four mil a year yeah yeah yeah. Are sorry you, yeah two i was two, gonna four, say four we're per. getting these guys at two mil a year jesus so let's sign yeah now four four, four four per <laughs> bring them all so he yeah, um okay. he's 28 he'll be 29 this summer um he is currently making three so four million would actually be a raise for him I Where, don't yeah, think that Montreal, Montreal will let him go, but who knows? I don't think so. I, I mean, I'd be in. He's I, I like kind of hard not to be in on all these guys. There's such an upgrade. To yeah, we had up the middle this year. We have a very <laughs> low bar right now. Yeah. We really do. I mean, besides our fucking beloved Jewel Erickson act, there's really not a whole lot going on. Like and honestly, well, I think Ross will be fine. You fine. have you got right now. You've got uh, Jewel Erickson act. Nico mm-hmm. Sturm, those are the only two centers that I would really right. legitimately keep past this season. And yeah. theoretically, you'll have Rossi coming in next year. Yeah, I love Rossi. And so, you know, you've got one center spot that you definitely need to fill. And right. past that is just depth, like organizational depth. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I really like Sturm. As a, I'd, I'd like to see him get more minutes, but it's kind of – I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to slide up in the lineup. He's probably going to have to go to a wing and which spot is he taking there? I mean, right. So if, if, uh, well, let's, let's do a quick, 
quick tangent just before we get to the last the last uh, guy here on my list. Um, if if you roll in, obviously Jules would be your number one. Yep. And we have no idea what to expect with Rossi, but I think he'll be he's a future number one. But in his rookie year, coming off of arguably. And like we love Marco Rossi on this podcast, so like this is this is a very pro Marco Rossi podcast. Um, in no way, shape, or form am I attempting to diminish or suggest that he is going to be anything less than stellar. Um, but given his difficult uh, off season that he's had, and also the fact that he will be a rookie in the NHL, you know, you're I, I I'm personally torn between do you put him in a top six role so he can get those minutes and challenge himself and grow. Or do you put him in a bottom six role, either three or four, and help him kind of, you know, groove into the game? Here's here's kind of where I'm at with it. You can reward him for playing well very easily by bumping him into that top six role. And not to say that his confidence would be shattered if he struggles initially in a top six where you bump him down. I think you start him off slow and you build him up. I'd like to see him on that three seat, that third line. We got enough solid I wingers. Agree. I mean, I hate to play two rookies on a line, whether it be Boldy and Rossi, but I, I would that third line would look solid with Rossi, Boldy, and maybe a Kevin Fiala. Because I mean, you're not going to break up the the Jewel Erickson Eck line. You're no, not going to break up complete yeah, options. So we assume, so we assume the grief squad is one. And then yep. one of these centers in between Zuccarello, Sturms, Kaprizov, and you're in, is that what you're saying? It would be Lizard King. No, I'm saying one Sturm, of these centers Kaprizov. we've been talking about. Okay. I'd like to see Nugent Hopkins in between them. That's just my probably favorite, but just one of the centers we've listed on this list you're doing for us. Gotcha. I'd like to okay. see one of those centering that line. Well, here's, here's my last, uh, my last suggestion. And, for what it's worth, I'm, I'm, I'm looking on Cap Friendly and Spot Track right now, and there's a surprising amount of um, UFAs available. Yep. Uh, I've mentioned all the ones that are at least moderately enticing to me, but, you know, if you want to go bargain bin hunting, feel free to go look it up yourself. Um, last one, and then we'll move on. Matthias Janmark, you in or out? Hopefully game seven didn't change your opinion too much one way or the other i feel like that's another guy i didn't really like he was oh he was solid for vegas but it's almost like i didn't really notice him out there a whole lot until game seven and game seven you really you know that goal he scored was so fucking lucky how it just bounced in between uh cole's legs and just like oh yeah i'm gonna pick this up and tell that like forgot how to poke check i guess like yeah I mean, I would, I, I, I've gone out on, I've gone on record and said that that's arguably the most fraudulent hat trick of all time. Right. Um, arguably the most fraudulent team of all time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a separate argument entirely, but yes. Um, but uh, I mean, through 50, he played all fifty six games. Yeah, alternating between their third and fourth line, um, and he finished with eleven goals, thirteen assists for twenty four points. He's a good example of does he flourish in a higher role? Right. Because he was on a team that was so deep that he wasn't needed to do really a whole lot. So would he put up more? Would he be like a 20 goal, 25 goal guy in an 82 game season? Maybe. 
Very possible. I, I mean, just, I mean, I don't, I don't know how that looks. Do we take the team we lost to in the playoff third center and move yeah. them up into a top center, top top line role? It's just kind of like, eh. Uh, I'd ra- yeah, I'm gonna say out just because I'd rather go get someone a little better than that, a little yeah. more solidified in this league. Sure. Because you gotta, we want to keep Caprizov off here, man. <laughs> we, yeah. we gotta, we we can't. We can't play them in between rasks. Well, we're not trying to – yeah, we're not trying to sign Zach Whitecloud either. We know how Kaprizov doesn't care for him. The first guy in NHL history to get a penalty for fighting his own teammate. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree with what you guys were both saying, though. Like, uh, the best example that I can think of in recent memory is Carter Hagee. Um, he was just buried in Tampa, and he – had really good, strong underlying numbers, and Florida gives him a top six role, and poof, he's incredible. Yeah. Um, right. Our our good friend uh, Brett Marshall, who is the uh, founding founding member and president of the Nico Sturm Sturm Warning Fan Club, uh, he pointed out that Sturm's underlying numbers are almost identical to what Carter Verhage's were before he popped off in a top six role. So I, having followed the cats and the wild a lot this year, I, I would be intrigued to, to see what a top six Nico Stern role would look like. I don't think it happens, but I would be intrigued to see it. I've been banging the table for it pretty much all season because he's one of the few players that has the speed to keep up with Caprice. And I think I that alone yeah. is worth pairing them together. I, I didn't understand that either. I really would have liked to see him in between Zook and Kaprizov. That would have been un- – again, it's an upgrade. It's an upgrade. I don't give a shit about these numbers for rest. The guy skates like he's got a damn trailer behind him. He's just yeah. so slow. He's just too slow. And, yeah, he's a, he's, I'm sure he's a great guy, out, you know, outside the rink. I'm sure he's a great teammate. But it's – you want to win, and I don't see him – on our team playing top six minutes like that, you're not going to win many playoff series against teams like the Avalanche, Colorado, or Colorado, obviously, Vegas, Colorado, teams like that. I mean, just, I don't know. And it is a weird year because we didn't play anybody else. So how do, we don't know how we would have fared in the, in this new central division. We've only played, you know, Colorado and Arizona from it. So yeah, I guess we'll see. And next season is going to be a very strange year. I would say. Yeah, uh, I forget who it was on Twitter, but somebody put forth the effort to uh, count, like, for based off of points alone. Obviously, you know, you're not playing the same teams, but based off of points alone, uh, if the division alignments were normal and uh, the Wild would have drawn Nashville, um, Mm. they would have finished second in the Central Division. Nashville would have finished third. And, um, Hot goalie again. Well, yeah. yeah so then, right. <laughs> I mean, I don't, it. I don't know if we, I don't know if we beat Nashville because they took a, in my opinion, more talented Canes team to six, but they basically played eight games of hockey in six in six yeah. because of all the double OTs. And you know, I live in Carolina, so I watch a ton of Canes, and and all I could think of was damn they're they're really they're really good and Nashville is still making it close 
yeah, yeah no, no, I no. I don't want to hurt uh, I don't want to hurt Wild fan feelings, but I think if we would have played Nashville in the first round, we would have lost in five. I just think the goaltending for Nashville is substantially better than what Vegas had, mm. and that would be enough for them. That would have been enough for them to win the series. It would have been the same thing like in, I don't remember the year, but there was a year where Devin Dubnik lost, uh, went one and four, and his goals allowed average like one and a half. Yep, that's the one. Yeah, all takes yeah. all takes a hot goalie that can knock you out of the playoffs any season. Yep. No, I'm with you. Um, flurry, flurry game one, one through three was very good. Game four, he was unreal tough. too. Flurry was Flurry was terrific. Um, we figured him out though by the end of that series. I I will add I don't know if there was a hotter goalie in the league the last twenty or so games than UC Saros. Yeah, dude was unreal. Got me to well, like ninth place in my fantasy league. Nice, <laughs> worked out well. Yeah, Nashville is hot at the end of the year there. Yeah, no, Nashville. Uh, I forget. If it was Dom or Evolving Hockey, but one of the models had Nashville as like a 0.8% chance to make the playoffs at the trade deadline, and they take Carolina to six. Minnesota East. You're not Grandlands, wrong. Holla. Uh, Cunning. Yep. yep. Granny, Cunning, Holla. I think there's another one, too. That line, that line scored too. They were all in a line together. In, in that <laughs> yeah, they did. Game four or five, and uh, that line was incredible because they they have a fun little breakaway, and Howla and, and Cunning apparently has wheels, which like I never thought he was slow, but I didn't ever consider him a blazer. And I just see him and Howla just tearing down. They have a breakaway, and it's like. They've both probably logged 36 minutes of ice time at this point. Like, they're both clearly beat and just a little give and go. Uh, Halla to Cunning. Cunning taps it in. And then Cunning jumps, I'm not kidding, like six feet in the air into Halla's arms. Yeah. And they just start kissing. And I was like, this is great. Spooch. <laughs> Cunning came on after his injury last year and before that season. Obviously, got in. And he, I, he was playing yeah. well. I was I mean, at, uh, I think I was actually at a Nashville, Minnesota game, and he uh, he had scored. Some Nashville fans hey, in front listen, of me were I, uh, I've made it my entire personal brand that, uh, and this is separate from the fact that we traded Cunning to get him, but the Murat Kuznadinov is my new right. favorite Russian prospect in the system. The whole piss missile thing I've talked about on the podcast before, I've written blogs about it it's my entire brand is that the piss missile is coming and he's going to be terrific. Um, so like, I have no regrets about the Cunning trade. It does still hurt a little bit to see him doing so well somewhere else, which like he was never doing poorly here. I always thought that he would break no. out. It just kind of stinks that he broke out somewhere else. Yeah. I just, I don't think it was the greatest fit here either. I would hate to take up any more time just reminiscing about what, could have been and should have been and would have been so uh right seth thank you so much for coming on we appreciate having you our last question to you as our esteemed and honored guest is the same question that we ask every every guest seth topol what is your wild take up until 
this uh, up until this week, up until I reformed my thoughts for the offseason with the Dennis system. I was of the belief that Matt Dumba was the one that was going to be sent to Seattle in the expansion draft. I no longer think that is the case. Of what? Zach Parisi is going to Seattle. Now that is interesting. A wild take. <laughs> now that is something I had not entirely considered. So I don't know how much you flesh this out or if you're just saying it for clicks or what, but uh, I'm curious. In this scenario, do the Wild just convince him to waive his NMC or are they convincing him and then also like attaching a pick or something? They're going to, they're going to have to sweeten it. I just, just the tea leaves the last couple of days. I know Darren Wolfson on his uh, scoop podcast said that there's a lot of steam that Parisi wants to buy out to go somewhere else. This way, if you go to Seattle and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, because you know, I'm, I'm learning hockey as I go. So I'm not super in on all the minutia of it yet. I will be eventually this way. Don't have to do the buyout thing. He goes to Seattle with a chance to play and be part of that expansion franchise, that mess of a roster. Mm -hmm. But he's going to get the entirety of the contract to go play in Seattle. And Seattle is going to be a team that has a lot of pieces that are going to have to fit together. I don't know. I just, I feel like Garen is going to be able to convince Seattle to take that contract because they're an expansion team. They're going to need, you know, they're going to need to fill the roster somehow. So we'll sweeten it with Victor Ass. They'll sweeten it with, and honestly, honestly, I don't really care what sort of a pick it takes to make it happen because of the amount of money that it'll free up to keep Fiala, Kaprizov, Erikssonek, maybe Benino or Cole. Mm-hmm. The amount of money it's going to free up is going to be well worth whatever they pay in draft capital to make it happen. I would agree. Um, I mean, my running theory had been that we try and figure something out to get Arizona or New Jersey to the cap floor, um, attach a pick and some sweeteners because I looked at both of those teams. And as of a week or so ago, when I looked, um, both of them were projected to be below the cap floor. Um, And the way that Parisi's deal is structured it's actually pretty uh, like most of the cash has already been paid. He's only owed yep. three or $5 million over the next four years in actual money paid out. So a cash strap team that needs to hit the cap cap floor like Arizona makes a ton of sense to me. However, I had honestly not even considered that Seattle would be a possible partner in this. That's uh, that is an excellent wild take my friend. And we thank you for it. Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to throw you a heater uh, here tonight. <laughs> I love it. Um, well, before you head off, uh, plug away, man. Plug what you got to plug. Where can people find you? You can take a listen to Lockdown Wild Monday through Friday. We're uh, we're going into off season mode. We were doing podcasts every day during the playoff series because why not? I mean, we got games on Saturday, games on Sunday. May as well do something for them. Monday through Friday, usually post um, in the early, you know, mid-morning. So uh, follow Lockdown Wild wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, all of them. You can find it anywhere. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Wild. We're way more active on Twitter now that the Dennis system has been implemented. 
uh, plenty of things to digest and go through in the off season. So make sure to tune in for that. You can also follow me on Twitter as well at Seth Topes, T O U P S going to be a lot going on here in the off season. And uh, I've got some other plans in the works more for next season. Question mark. Exciting. Interesting. Terrific stuff. We are very grateful for your time and hope you have a wonderful day, night, week. Until next time. Thank you very much, Seth Topol. You're locked on Wild Host. White Goodman Superfan. Cabernet Sauvignon Sommelier. God bless. Take care. You are both going down like a sweet muffin, gentlemen. (laughs) See you, buddy. Once again, thanks to Seth Topol for joining us. Always appreciate having him here. And that actually ran a little bit longer than we thought it would. So in the interest of time, we're going to cut out all of our usual bullshit and just go straight to our wild takes. So Zooch, what's your wild take this week, buddy? My wild take is the Minnesota Wild, your favorite hockey team, is going to land a number one center this offseason whether it be Jack Eichel or somebody from somewhere playing for some hockey team in the NHL. This team is going to go out and they're going to find someone to play in between Zuccarello and Kaprizov to, put, to really push that first line over the edge because it showed how dominant it could be with just two highly functioning pieces. Could you imagine stuffing a Jack Eichel in between those two? My Lord, that line would be electric, one. Two – it keeps our very, very nice Soviet savior happy. Mm-hmm. And you can let that grief squad run wild <laughs> against anyone's top line. You can let them just go out there and do what they need. And then you got the third line of Fiala and whoever the hell they want to play them with. But I think the wild go out and sign a number one center and or trade for one, because Garen said, this is a market that is, supposed to be a, a top-tier hockey market, and it hasn't been, quite frankly. It really hasn't been. They've gotten – they bowed out of the playoffs in most years, and it's because they haven't gone out and got some fucking superstars. Now you got two budding here with Fiala and Kaprizov. Find another one, man. What, what's, what's stopping you? Let's do some uh, contract restructuring, kind of going off uh, sets, wild take. If, if, if Parisi's out of here, that frees up some cash, frees up some money for the wild. So. I think they get it done, and I think this team looks even better next year. I love it. Um, my wild take is in the same vein, but a little bit different. My wild take is that Zach Parisi will be on the roster opening night of the 2021-22 hockey season. All of the signs seem to be pointing towards that he will be not here. Um, you know, there's the possibility of a buyout. I don't see that really making sense because you free up 5 million this year, but then the next three years you free up like only 1 million compared to what it would have to have him be on the roster. And then you add four more years of uh, cap hit uh, on top of that. So I just, I don't, I don't see it happening. It could, but I don't see it happening. Same thing with a trade. The he's only going to want to go to either a contender or a team where he's going to have a ton of space. So like, you know, maybe he does wind up in Arizona or New Jersey you know, he goes back to New Jersey or somehow uh, he reunites with Lamorello in New York. Maybe that happens. I just, I think there's too many hurdles and too many question marks and obstacles and 
I just don't see it happening. So I'm going to um, back you up there. Yeah, I like that. I think that third line, if you put Rossi, Fiala, Parisi, I mean, truthfully, that doesn't sound too bad to me. I I'm not Parisi even saying yeah. yeah, I'm not even saying this as a guy. Like, separate from the fact that I think Zach Parisi can still play on this team, Dean and possibly Billy disagree with me there, which, like, fine. They have forgotten more about hockey than I'll ever know. Uh, so yeah. I'm not going to be the guy that's like, oh, these fucking idiots, they, you know, they're right. not seeing what I'm saying. Um, they have, you know, I'm not above questioning the coach or GM, but like they clearly know better on this specific issue than I do. So like, I'm fine with that. I just, I don't, I don't see a feasible path that doesn't involve more long-term hurt to Parisi staying on this uh, or to Parisi leaving this roster. Like every move that I can think of is a one year fix. And then if he either retires or, you know, plays it out or whatever, like you're, you're, you're granted a little bit of reprieve in, you know, this off season, but then you're completely hamstrung for like six to, you know, you know, four to six more years, depending on what path you go down. Um, So yeah, that's my, that's my wild take. And with that, we will call it a night. We'll call it a show. Thank you very much for listening to the Wild Takes podcast presented and powered as always by 10,000 Takes. I am Dev. That's Zooch. Thank you. Good night. God bless Kirk Cousins. <laughs>